Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Chapter 14 Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you? unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else, who is now put in the position of an inquirer, say amen to your thanksgivings, since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. In the law it is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for the believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and the inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, or a word of instruction, or a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three, should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said.
And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophecy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they will themselves be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. The bit about women keeping silent feels like a stinking kipper around the chops of our church practice. Should women really never preach? The great theologian Matthew Henry thought so. This is a quote from him. Our spirit and conduct should be suitable to our rank. The natural distinctions God has made we should observe. For this reason, women must be silent in the churches, not set up for teachers. Now, we should commend Henry that he is trying to submit himself to the word rather than have the word submit to him. Far worse is just to dismiss the verses that don't fit with our desires. Much danger lies that way. But there is good reason to question Henry's conclusion. What Matthew Henry seems to have done is to give these four verses, verses 32 to 35, primacy over the many other statements in the book that suggest men and women should both be actively involved in church life. The whole of this section of the letter, chapters 11 to 14, focuses on how church gatherings are everyone getting to play. Throughout this section, Paul has used the Greek word that means men and women when talking about people receiving gifts from the Spirit to build others up. This chapter includes men and women in the call to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. And in chapter 11, Paul talks specifically about how women should dress when they're giving prophecies in church. Because traditional understandings of prophecy included many aspects of preaching, we can see that the major thrust of this letter is strongly supportive of women vocally engaging in all of church life. We also know the wider context of New Testament practice, which Paul references here, did have people like Priscilla and Junior acting as pastor teachers in churches. So in our church, we do let women preach. More than that, we encourage them to preach and to prophesy so as to comfort, encourage and strengthen the church. Women, we need you. We're deeply grateful for you and your service to us all. But with all that said, I must admit these four verses still do baffle me. I don't want to just write them off. And therefore, I'm trying to work out exactly what Paul means in them. Why couldn't he have been a bit clearer? Thank the Lord that even the Bible itself acknowledges some of Paul's letters are hard to understand. Check out 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. These stinking kippers are not easy, but they can wake us up to the mystery of God's presence. They can increase our longing 
to see him face to face. Here's a question for reflection. What do you do with the hard bits of the Bible? How do they draw you into deeper relationship with God? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.